Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Today's guest is Bobby Matthews. 30 years of career and volunteer experience, currently a captain on Rescue One for Norfolk Fire Rescue in Virginia. From a young age, all Bobby knew was the fire service, with his dad being a blue-collar member. Cadre member with Field the Box training, Bobby loves all aspects of the fire service, from teamwork, camaraderie, and going to fires. He truly enjoys rescue and ladder work, but knows as the first line goes, so does the engine. With that, I present Mr. Bobby Matthews. Good morning, uh, Bobby Matthews, uh, Captain uh, Norfolk Fire Rescue uh, in North, uh, or excuse me, in Southeastern Virginia, Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, captain on uh, Rescue One. Uh, been in the department going on a little over 20, almost 28 years. Um, man, I got in fire service when I was old enough to walk. My dad was a uh, volunteer fireman right outside of Philadelphia in uh, Delaware County in Upper Darby. <clears throat> and uh, big, fire, big firehouse, lots of fire trucks, lots of people, uh, good support system. And uh, going up there in a, whatever a car seat was back in the day. <laughs> and then uh, able to walk and run and get in boots, get in trucks. And uh, when the siren went off and the bells rang, uh, I was usually standing at one of the trucks and got lifted up, set up in the engine compartment or on the doghouse and hung on the cord, pulling the horn. And uh, ever since been there, it's been like that ever since. So I don't pull on the cord anymore. Now I step on the pedal. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. uh, moved here in 81. Dad was Navy. And uh <clears throat> Chesapeake, Virginia is where I live, the city I live in, and uh, they had a volunteer department, but uh, obviously at, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, you can't get in there. Mm-hmm. So at uh, 14, my freshman year, I think, of high school, they had a tech program, and I was going to get into the tech program. Well, the year I went into it was, uh, you know, those magical budget cuts. Mm-hmm. So uh, they bumped it out, couldn't do it, but uh, the battalion chief that was there, who is now the fire chief of uh, City Chesapeake, who's getting ready to retire after uh, almost 50 years in the fire service. Um, he said, how about we get you, enroll you into volunteers, and you can get in the fire stations, you cover on the insurance, all that stuff. So at you know, 14, 15 years old, I was a volunteer in, in the accommodation department, which is now an all-paid department. And that was always a career department with a, a, volunteer, a small volunteer uh, division in it. And at 18, I was uh, riding a fire truck. Actually, at 16, I was riding it. But uh, 18 is working, uh, or vol- ride as a volunteer, and uh, working for career staff, doing things like that, and <clears throat> working my way through the volunteers there, uh, going to classes, doing things at a very young age. And uh, the day that I was working at the fire station, uh, I got a letter from the fire, that fire department that said, hey, come and schedule your interview. Well, that night, about 9.30 at night, I got a phone call from Norfolk Fire, and they said, uh, you're still interested. Uh, in the job you're hired show up next tuesday and like 75 of us got hired in uh, 96 wow. so i took the test in 95 to the date august 12 95 i took the test august 12 96 i got hired so there, uh, like i said there's about 70 of us that got hired split them up in two classes and uh it was like 35 people i think on our side of the academy and they split it between fire and ems and we flip-flopped and it's been uh it's been bliss ever since Okay. So it's, uh, you know, you know how the pro- uh, progression of the fire services. Yeah, you know, you're definitely. In it, you're in it. Right. You know, right. I'm not getting any younger, but uh, I think I still have a lot to learn. Uh, I think I have some things to give and uh, just 
the camaraderie and being around the guys and girls and doing lots of things and still learning every day. I think that's what humbles us. Oh, absolutely. Um, when you started, uh, how long was your recruit class for? With 35. Uh, see, our recruit class, we started in August, end of August, and then we graduated in near the – I mean, I think my first day on duty was the day of – Christmas Day or the day after Christmas okay. for that shift. So at that time, four to five months, if that. Okay. We uh, firefighter zero to firefighter two, you know, for the state, and then EMT to uh, shock trauma. So we uh, we had a pretty 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 advanced and a good cadre of instructors that got you know seventy five people through. Logistics was a big thing because uh, <clears throat> excuse me, one one part of the class was in Norfolk, the other part of the class was on the other side of the water in Hampton. So you had to go through a tunnel every day and those logistical challenges. So, yeah, I think Christmas of uh, 96, we were all on the street. Okay. Uh, the department had did a large, a large rec scene. So they had guys with 40 plus years going out and, you know, thousands of years that, that retired and uh, Norfolk had become a, you know, another younger department again. And, uh, you know, 28 years ago, here we are. Okay. When you graduated, where were you assigned? <clears throat> when I graduated, I was assigned to Berkeley. And Berkeley is a small little area across the bridge uh, on the south side of Norfolk, and it butts up against the city of Chesapeake. So we got a, a, a big station down there, engine, a truck, and a medic down there. And uh, I mean, it, it's a busy area, but it's right on the border of uh, the city of Chesapeake. So they run auto aid. Went in there and, uh, you know, I'm, uh, what, 21, 20, 21, 20, yeah, 21, 22 years old. And, uh, you know, I'm ready to beat the band. I want to I wanna go to work. I want to do things. Well, all, my entire crew, which I had a hell of a captain that uh, was able to uh, get me where I, where I am today. Uh, captain Stebbins is one of the, one of the, man, I'll tell you what, that guy was a mentor. And uh, trying to take a guy, a 21-year-old kid, to come into a firehouse and wants to learn to do stuff. And all these guys that were there had now just got transferred in from the busiest stations in the city. So this station wasn't the busiest. Um, it had its uh, opportunities full of shipyards and uh, lots of different uh, residential areas, commercial areas. Very small, but uh, uh, busy. And, I mean, I'm, I'm ready to beat the bag. I'm ready to go to work. Mm -hmm. uh, you got guys of 20, 25 years in there that came from some of the busiest houses. Like, slow down, Junior. Slow down. You got the rest of your career. But some of those guys uh, went to move up in a department and uh, a lot of good mentors, a lot of good mentors. I didn't stay there my whole probationary year, though. Uh, I got moved to uh, Station 2, well, which is one of our busier houses, uh, single, you know, engine and a medic in there, uh, right in the middle, right in the middle of uh, a busy area, downtown area. And I went there and uh, then the rescue company, which uh, at that time was called Squad 1, there was a captain there. And I got talking to him and he said, hey, you want to go to hazmat school? And I said, sure. Right at the end of my probationary period, I went to hazmat school for two weeks, came back, and uh, 21 years old, one of the youngest guys not assigned to the squad, but every day I filled in on it. And uh, by 99, I got assigned to Rescue 2, or to Squad 2 then. So I've been in the, in, in the spec ops or special ops for, for most of my career, most of my okay. career. So it was a nice transition. It was a nice progression. And um, I, when I look back at it, you always, you always think about what you could have done better and how you could have did it better. But I tell you what, I was surrounded by good people that uh, allowed me to learn and do good things. And 
uh, I think it progressed me positively if you if you use those words right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so you, you were on an engine for a little bit, but from there on out, it was all always on the squad or slash rescue. I went from an engine, a medic, an engine, because, uh, you know, we spent 50, 50% of our time on that medic. Okay. And I uh, went to an, another engine house and then spent uh, time between the engine and the rescue and then ended up going to the rescue. Um, rescue 2, which was at Station 14, which is the busiest station and the biggest station in the city, um, was over there. It was a, a rescue, an engine, a truck, a, a medic, and a battalion in there. And it's a pretty, pretty busy station. And so we were there for a good little while. Um, then I went to training, uh, ran a couple academies uh, through there, and I uh, got promoted. Came back to a truck company because uh, our, our captains ride engines, our lieutenants ride ladders and rescues. Okay. okay. Well, as of six, seven months ago, at Station 7 and 14, which are our special ops stations, east and west side of the city is where the rescues are, the captains now ride the rescues. So I've been on an engine for the last five or six, seven years as a captain. And I uh, just got moved over to the rescue. And now these two stations have lieutenants that ride the engine and the ladder. So they kind of move things around a little bit. But to answer your question directly, I've been assigned to most, mostly everything that we have in the city. Uh, captain on engine, a lieutenant on the ladder, lieutenant on the rescue, captain on the rescue, firefighter on all those, uh, as well as riding the medic when I was younger. But uh, guys look at you go, man, you ain't rode the medic. And it's true. I haven't rode the ambulance in a very long time. But. You know, when you're responsible for it and you see what's going on, you staff your guys, you're going on calls with them. Uh, Grant, not going to the hospital as much with them and doing mm -hmm. all the computer reporting as much mm -hmm. as them. But you're still part of that gang. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Okay. All right. And if you had to choose out of, out, out of all, what what's your love? Is it the engine, truck work, or rescue? Special services is uh, probably my, my best. I love the truck, love the rescue. Um, I don't mind stretching hose. I mean, that's what we do. Uh -huh. Now, I like being first in, uh, setting the mood, setting the setting the uh, setting the call, seeing how it goes. Uh, but if I really had my choice, uh, the rescue or ladder truck is is my biggest thing. Because I think that's where you're effective. You know, you stretch hose, put water on the fire. I get that. But when you do a ventilation search and uh, all the other ancillary things uh, as a team does to get the uh, mission accomplished, that's that's my thing. I like I like riding the truck. I like riding the rescue. But I'll ride the engine too if I have to. And a lot of guys are like, "Come on, man, that's the engine." I'm like, "Yeah, that's the engine. You stretch hose. That's what you do. I get it. And uh, that's what puts the fire out." But uh, as a team-oriented environment, uh, the other the other services that come in on that, uh, I truly enjoy doing that. All right. Um, got a question for you. Yes, in sir. your opinion, what does the term aggressive mean to you? I think aggressive is a a pretty vast word. Uh, aggressive to me is being smart. Uh, the, the word gets thrown around so much, you know, uh, on the, on the positive side on the negative side, I think being aggressive is knowing your job, knowing when to apply the different aspects of your job and knowing when you have to take those chances in regards to public safety or, or, uh, the rescue side of things, your searches, putting a line where you probably it shouldn't be going there right now, but we need to get in there and we, a good push. So aggressive to me, I, I think it's it's a, a well-rounded word because you have to be smart. 
you got to pay attention to the situational awareness, right? Mm-hmm. And I tell my guys, your head's on a swivel. If there's something needs to be done, do it. I'm not the kind of guy to sit back and wait for the chief to point his finger. Hey, this needs to get done. I mean, 30 years, been a captain uh, for, you know, or been an officer for half of those years. So I think I've learned a little bit. And knowing when to be aggressive, um, yeah, man, that's a, that's, I know I'm all over the place with this, but there's a time and a place when you need to be aggressive. So I think timing goes along with that word as well. Again, the situational awareness part of this, you got to know when to move forward and you get, sometimes you got to know when to wait a little bit. Mm-hmm. Does that, does that kind of answer that a little bit? Yeah. 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 Like I said, it's, it's your opinion and I always, it's a hot topic. So I, I like all the guests that I have on here. I like to ask them the question of what that term means to them. I think when you people throw the word aggressive out there, hey, let's get an aggressive push. Hey, let's uh, get an aggressive search. Uh, hey, let's be aggressive. I think it's a, a word that's just, it's an adjective, I guess, or a verb that helps you push forward. Mm-hmm. But when you really step back, you know, being able to uh, act in the chief's car and on that, on that side of things, um, I'm aggressive. I like to get things done. I want to get there first. Um, I want to get the hose line in there. I want to get a search. I want to get those things. Those are the, those are the type of uh, activities I like to do. But get in the different role of it, sitting back and watching the other guys work. My my mindset and what I want to do is not necessarily what they're going to do or what they want to do. So is being aggressive a a challenging word or a challenging event? I don't think so. If you have the right people with the right training, with the right mindset, I think aggressive is a word that fits in there That's uh, that can be plain. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely get it. I get it. Okay. okay. Um, how has, cause you've been on Norfolk for a while. So have you seen a progression uh, with your department? And, and if so, is it, is it towards the good or, or are there some things that Norfolk can improve on? The word progression, I guess the city is, is a very progressive city in itself. It's an old city. Um, we're surrounded by water and other cities. So we're 68 square miles, population density of probably 300,000 residents. But during the day, we're over a million plus because of uh, all the government, the colleges, universities, uh, all the shipyards that we have in the area, just industry uh, period and education. So progressing, I see the city progressing very well in regards to population density and the activities and communities but when you look at the fire service when we're 14 engines 14 with 14 engines seven trucks uh what 14 ambulances so our city's laid out and as emergency services i I believe very well our forefathers did a good job putting things together before gis gps all the Mm -hmm. other things and they work now um in regards to progression you know, you're doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different outcome. You know, we're an ALS-based department, with uh, transport. So we're, we're, I think, in my opinion, we have some of the best uh, ALS delivery, rather, uh, in the region uh, with okay. the different ways we do things. But to progress, uh, we're, we're doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome. But how do you progress in fire service right now? You know, people call 911. They call everybody else. Nobody shows up. But when you call 911, who shows up? It's 99% at fire department. Mm-hmm. Usually not a cop. 
it's usually the fire department. So all the services, and when I say all the services, as a fire service, we deliver all the services. If you got a leaky pipe, you got a gas leak, you got uh, sewer backup in your house, you got something going on, firefighters going to show up and they're going to do the best they can to fix it. So being progressive, I, I do believe our department is aggressive, or excuse me, is progressive, and we're doing the right thing for the right reason. Um, but if you ask five people, you're going to get five different answers. Because you're asking firefighters, well, this is my opinion. Well, this is what we do. And each one of them brings their own, their own time or their own experiences to the game to answer that question. Uh, you know, I've taught academies. I have my mindset of what I want to do and how I want to do it within the parameters of the department. You know, all the, department, the department's uh, vision, I get it. We know what we need to do. If, as a department-wide, I look at it, but i got to put the blinders on because I'm an I'm a officer at a firehouse. i got two mm-hmm. lieutenants work under me. That's my bubble. I can be progressive the best I can in that station, You know, whether we're doing daily training. Uh, every call we go on, I try and take the new guys and show them something. Uh, when I'm working overtime, I'm showing the new guys different things. If they learn, they want to learn, they want how they want to learn. Um, we have great conversations. I mean, just the other day, I was at a firehouse working overtime, and we just got to talk, and, and the entire crew, it was a bigger house, the entire crew, we're sitting in the day room, and uh, we're, we're just talking about different things, man. It's, it's such a great conversation. You know, the old tailboard talks or the, the, the galley table talks. And I, when you asked me about progression, that was progress for me because it's been a long time since I actually sat down with a group of guys and just kicked it for a little while. Mm-hmm. Later on, the young guys came by and said, hey, Cap, uh, you know, we've really never done that before or we haven't done that in a long time. That That's actually pretty cool. You know, they walked away with something from that. So in my eyes, that's progression. You're bringing the guys together. You're talking to them. You're explaining things. You're giving some of your experiences and you're asking for their experiences because it's not about you. I've done my thing, man. I've had the opportunity to do my thing. Now it's their time. What can I do for them? What can I what can I do for them to help them progress themselves of what they're doing, where they're at, where they want to be, and how do they get there? Because you come in, you work seven days a month, you're either on the engine during the day or the ambulance at night or, or vice versa, or you're on the engine, uh, truck or the engine because we run 12 hours on the ambulance instead of 24. So oh, okay. seven in the morning, seven at night, and then seven at night to seven next morning. So we switch our crews in the middle of it because, I mean, the call volume in our city is pretty high. And during the summer, during the winter, it's just our call volume is pretty high. So we try to make sure, uh, you know, we give our persons – the good, the good timing uh, between the engine, the ladder, the medic, does it work? Yes. Sometimes you miss out on different things. Uh, so you, you just got to really stand back and watch. But back to the progression, pro- the progress. I believe our department is making progress. Um, we went, hey, we went for a while doing, uh, well, we still are. Our overtime is through the roof because we don't have, right. we don't have, we don't have a staffing issue. Uh, mm-hmm. We have plenty of people, but uh, using our people in the right places, yeah, we're we're our overtime is due to roof. So, uh, I think progress will be when we're when they say fully staffed. Mm-hmm. When you have we're a five hundred and twenty five hundred twenty six person department, and hopefully we'll go more than that where we can put four on the trucks, four on the rescues. We run four man engines, four person engines, three person trucks, three person heavy rescues. Uh, an ALS ambulance with two people on it and a uh, two-person battalion. The chief's got a driver. So until we can get that fourth person back on the rescue and then a fourth person on the ladder truck, 
I think we're in progress. We're in progress of getting that done. Does that make right. sense? Yes. Yes. And that's, uh, that's a lot. That's a lot. Only three people on, on a rescue or I'm sorry. That's not, yep. not, not, not a lot no. like as in personnel, a lot on the officer. Absolutely. Cause as, as a captain rescue, I'm, I'm a, my driver likes to call it a uh, Rob, my driver, man. He and I came in uh, right about the same time and uh, he's a hell of a driver, hell of an operator knows his, knows his game. And he's like, cat, we're contractors. We work together. All three of us work together on a team, whether it's a rope call an extrication call hazmat call. I might wear the white helmet, but you know what? I got a tool in my hand, just like the rest of my guys. And I got to leave it up to sometimes other officers to give the scene survey, to get the scene safety and, and pay attention to what's going on around us because I'm actually in there with the guys doing stuff because there's only three of us. We'll, uh, we'll tag the ladder with me. I'll try and stack the ladder with backup rescue guys or backup guys that have the, uh, the training and the certifications. And if we go somewhere and read comments and it's a little more something, I'll, I'll bang out the ladder with us and get there with six people. Okay. So your force multiplier is your people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's always about your people. So that, that's my biggest thing is uh, going back to aggressive and, and progress, those types of keywords. Uh, aggressively staff your units mm -hmm. so you can progress yourself through your calls. Hey, will you stop? Yeah, no, Sorry, I get it. That's <laughs> why so I can hear it on the chew toy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. One time she wants to use it is when we're on the, on the camera. <laughs> um. Uh, next question for you. Uh, do you believe, should there be a years of service clause for promotion? Man, that's funny. We just talked about that the other day. Um, I want to say it's six years now, I think, to promote for lieutenant for our department. I think it's six. It used to be four. I was the four-year guy. Okay. Uh, my first promotional process, you know, I'm, I'm 24 years old going up against guys that are, you know, their mid-30s, late-40s, early-40s late twenties, you've been around for a little while and uh, I was able to test and do all right. And uh, I mean, I always wanted to be a driver. That was my, that was my goal. I always wanted to be a driver. I got promoted uh, fairly early, like uh, 90, 99, got in the rescue. I think 2003, 2004, I got promoted to Lieutenant uh, or a five. And uh, then I was a Lieutenant for nine years and then made captain. Um, very blessed, uh, very humbled, you know, with good people. I've been passed over a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I, I understand how that works, but can you really put a number on how long it takes to learn? I mean, you know, you're in the fire service. You see it. I'm in the fire service. Look at our time. You know, do you wait till 20 years to promote? Do you wait five years to promote? Not everybody is the same. Mm -hmm. You know, they say equal opportunity, diversity, all those things. Yeah, we know what those words mean, but everybody is different. Do we treat everybody equally or we treat everybody fairly? So you have a guy or girl that comes in. You have a guy that shows up. He was a nuclear engineer on a submarine. And he's like, I'm done with this. I want to go do this. He goes to the fire service. Are you going to treat him the same way as you would the kid that just came out of uh, working at the video store? And it's his first day on the job. You know, you have people that have life experiences. And you got people coming from finance. you got people coming from engineering worlds. And then you got carpenters, plumbers, HVAC techs, which God knows we need those guys in the fire department, no girls in the fire department, because... We do everything. Right. But putting a number, you putting a number on it, you're just doing a standard. You're doing a standard. Make it, you know, equal across the board for time frame. Some people have talked about, hey, you can't, you can't permit to get 10 years. There was a point in our department, you had to be in longer to get a driver's job than it was to be an officer. 
So you can promote it four years, but you have to wait seven years to get a driver's job. Okay. So now we're, I think, I believe we're at six years. So okay. is six years that magic number? What do you get? Do you get your promotional or your um, employee development? We got a book system. First year is your probationary book, you get red book. After that, you get a yellow book, right? Two years, you start to learn to drive. And then three years, you can learn to act. Four years is when you can act. So I take a guy that's, he's got it. You know, you take a person or a guy or girl, they get it. They got it. They know what's going on. And I put them in that position. But my, my guidelines say I, I can't do it because of these things. That's a guideline, right? That's, those guidelines are made because somebody screwed up somewhere. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I look at the person. What is the person about? What, what can they do? What can they, what can they do for themselves? What can they do for the team? I'm not going to hold anybody back. If I know that that person can drive the truck, they can pump the truck, they know math, they know what they need to do, they can be a bit aggressive or, on a, you know, they can be progressive. I'm going to utilize that person and allow them to utilize their skills and try and help them move forward the best way we can. Because, like I said, that bubble at my station, I run that station. My, my guy, the guys I work for in that station, we run that station. And at the end of the day, if I have Johnny or Billy or Mike or Tommy that's coming through here or Sally, and you know what? They're showing motivation. They're showing to get it. You know what's going on? I'm going to give them those opportunities to do that. They may be ready to test in four years, five years, six years. You just got to make sure you mature them, get them in the right way, send them in the right direction, and, and keep pushing them. Keep pushing them to learn. Because you, 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 just like me, you see guys and girls that are out there that get it mm-hmm. and some that don't get it. Mm-hmm. And what happens to a lot of them that don't get it? They wait on the uh, time frame, and then are they a good officer? That's the right. next question. Right. The time frame, okay. But when they test, are they a good officer? Are they going to be a good officer? With lack of leadership, lack of education, lack of direction, I don't know. That's 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 where we got to look as a as a whole, not only as an industry, but uh, as as people, as leaders, say, okay, are we are we leading the right people down the right way, or I'll take my department. The only way to get off the ambulance is get promoted. So that adds a whole nother, a whole nother uh, mm-hmm. dialect. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Somebody arrives the ambulance half their career, and then now they go to promote, and they're very good at testing. They're very good at everything else. Hey, congratulations! You're you're you made officer, you're lieutenant. Now you're on a ladder truck. Never rode a ladder truck. Right. So. But those persons that are going to excel are the ones that are learning. They're getting that extra education. They're reaching out. They're going to school. They're going to these classes. They're getting that outside agency education that are, that's not being done on the inside. So they will be good when they get out of here or when they get promoted. That's the ones that you keep your eye on. No, no, I, I get it. I get it. But do, do you see that as a because your department's not the only one I've heard that that has that. Uh, rule, if you want to call it, where the only way to get off a medic unit is to get promoted. Do you see that as 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 a bad thing? Because there are departments out there that have that same rule, where in order to get off a medic unit, the only way to do so is to get promoted. I won't. I don't think it's a a, a positive or negative rule. I just think it's a uh, it's a condition of the game. Okay. You are an ALS department, ALS transport department. We have to have paramedics. We have to have ALS providers, BLS providers, and everybody Everybody has a position that they have to fill. Mm-hmm. So whether I'm coming off the engine, the ladder, the rescue, or the medic, newer guys, younger guys or girls, you know, they, they, they part of their job. They ride the ambulance 12 hours out of 24. 
They get the rotations off. They do those things. But if we don't have a pathway to help them reach for something else, how, okay, what's my goal? What do I want to do? Do we have a safety officer? We have fire marshal's office. We have prevention. We have training. We have those different divisions within. But, yeah, your ALS on the ambulance or BLS on the ambulance or your ALS on the ambulance, the only way to get off the ambulance is to get promoted. So and within six years, you have a lot of people that are sitting there for that test and taking it. I bet. And then once, you know, it, it's been shown that a lot of ALS providers get promoted fairly quickly because they say that, you know, the paramedic stuff and the medicine and everything else goes along with it. and You can study better. You can test better and all that. Whether you believe that or not, I just look at the person. Then we go back to the position where now we have promoted a lot of our medics up. Mm-hmm. How do we still continue to ambulance staff or the engines ALS, the ladders ALS? So that shift and that uh, juggling act uh, is, I think it's, that's a constant, that's a constant uh, coefficient for everything. How do we manage that? Right. Okay. I like the answer. It's simple, but it's true. You know, it, it is all a, a juggling act for sure. Um, uh, are you seeing Norfolk with a recruitment or retention problem like other departments? I think as, as an industry right now, recruitment, and we'll split it in half. Recruitment is a big thing right now because let's face it, people are looking at this and they don't want to do this job. They don't, they see this, right. they don't want to do it. You know what right. I mean? Uh, you look at your salaries, retirements, injuries, illnesses, but then once in a while you'll see something cool on TV and people are like, Ooh, I want to do that. Or they get a fire truck coming down the street or they've seen something that actually, uh, you know, they've seen something that changed their lives. Mm-hmm. So, Hey, I want to do that. So I think on a recruitment thing, we're, we're reaching out, we're going to schools, we're going to colleges, we're going to uh, trade shows. We're, we're online. We're the social media thing. You're hitting it so many ways. But you're, there's only so much you can do. If you're not getting the reply from people, the interest from people, then what do you do? You know, we have a large military presence in this area. So when uh, guys and girls get out of the service, hey, man, you know, look at the fire service. Look at this. You, those are the kinds of persons you're looking for as well because they're talented. Um, they're structured. They know how to work with a team. And then you go to the high schools, you go to the colleges, let's face it. Kids and kids going to college, coming out, they got degrees, but the job market isn't really the best out there for them in regards to what their degree is. Right. So like, hey, hell with it. I'm going to go in the fire service. And they come to the fire service and helps them pay off their uh, their school loans. They're working seven to nine days a month. They're learning another trade. And who knows? Maybe they're a finance person. Ten years from now, they may be upstairs and uh, they're running, running part of the finance part uh, department for the, for the fire station. So... I think the best thing we can do in regards to uh, from our hiring and retention, man, everywhere I go, if I see somebody that's uh, hurting, not hurting rather, but they're in a job and they're just, they don't look happy. I'm always, I'm the biggest recruiter. I'm like, Hey man, you ever thought about going to fire department? No. Why not? I don't know, I don't know much about it. What do you do right now? Well, think about this, you know, 24 hours a day, you work maybe seven, nine days a month, you ride in the ambulance. Uh, you have some downtime, some uptime, you have good times, you have bad times. It's called life. Mm-hmm. But, hey, you can get a retirement out of it, and uh, you 
Some days you work really hard. Some days you don't work as hard. Up. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm a biggest promoter for that. I, everywhere I go, my wife's like, God, are you going to do this again? <laughs> so everywhere we go, everywhere we see, we're doing stuff, you know, even other departments, when we go and teach classes around the state, around the country, you're always talking to other firemen. You're talking to firefighters right. from all over the place. Right. We're like the same thing you and I are doing. We bring, the same thing comes up, sitting around the table, drinking beers, having a good time. The same thing comes up. And even when a bunch of knuckleheads sit down, like, hey, man, how do you keep your people here? How do you reach out? The retention part, I think, is the hard thing right now mm-hmm. with the different. Mm-hmm. Well, so for our department, for instance, um, I'm in the old retirement system. So our, our, uh, our city retirement system was 26 years of limited age. So I'm going on 28. I could have left two years ago. Mm-hmm. But now, everybody comes in now, comes under the state retirement, which elongates their years, their time, their, their age, everything else. So that is a regional thing. All the departments around here now are coming off the state retirement. So if you don't like what you're making here at this department and that department across the street's making $10,000 more for the same position you're doing here, guess what? And we've already seen that. We've seen mm-hmm. a lot of guys that switched over to that new system, and now they're looking at other departments around us that are paying top dollar, mm-hmm. and they put their paperwork mm-hmm. in. And it, next thing you know, you got three guys or girls that were top notch in your department. Now we're gone, and they go over there with their time, their service. They're not starting over, and they get more money. So that's I think our retention is the biggest thing right now. Those people leaving. But then again, like you said earlier, how do I go out there and get people to take the test, come in and get hired? So it's it's a slippery slope, a very slippery slope. Yeah. No, you're right. Because, I mean, you have uh, most places you have department, neighboring departments kind of robbing off of off of another department due to to pay and and better benefits or a better culture. uh, Absolutely. You know, things of that nature. Um, No ambulances. No, yeah, I, I just see it <laughs> like the way the way some of these departments are promoting it. It's no ambulances, smooth bore nozzles, whatever schedule, low right. hose beds, true truck work. I mean, they're getting creative on getting individuals to go. Oh, I you know, let me look at this place, things of that nature. Um, so no, it's it's okay. Um, what we, we got seven cities down here, seven cities. Uh huh, and. All those seven cities make up the Tidewater, Hampton Roads area. Each one of them, you know, they're a separate entity, their own city. They have their own apartments, doing their own thing. Most of us down here on the same shift schedule, except for two, I believe. So all of them run ambulances except one city. And the one city, and I'm not going to name names, but the one city that doesn't run ambulances works off a volunteer rescue squad system. Granted, their engine companies are, they have ALS providers on the trucks, and their city is, is covered with ALS provider, which is great. But their transport and uh, medics are a volunteer system. And the guys, I mean, this is one of the top paid areas. So, you know, you got guys looking left, looking right, and they're like, okay, cool. I can go here and make more money, not lose my time, and keep moving forward. And I don't, I don't fault them for that one bit, not one bit. You know, but you've got to be marketable with everybody around you. Mm-hmm. And our our city, man, when I came in here, our city was one of the top notch, it still is, but was one of the top notch cities with uh, people, places, opportunities, jobs, everything. And it, it's still there. It's still there. They're still being progressive in regards to that. But you, I think uh, money is a driving factor. And let's not lie to each other. No. In the fire right. service, money is a driving, driving factor. So you get a kid that comes out of high school and he can make $70,000 at this department. In this other department, he could start at forty-five to fifty thousand dollars. 
you ain't got to be a math uh, uh, professional <laughs> to figure that one out. No, you're right. You're right. And I mean, and of course, it, you know, most firemen will tell you they didn't get into this profession for the money. I mean, Lord knows That's right. I, I didn't. Uh, and I'm sure you didn't. But now with inflation and just the cost of everything, the way everything's so much more expensive, I mean, it's going to entice individuals to look at a department that's paying, oh, an extra 15, 20,000 in start and pay. And, you Absolutely. know, it's, it's, it's one of and those things. Fast, and how fast do you get the top pay, you know? Right. Like seven years, eight years. And, and that, that's a motivator in itself. And right. I hate, man, I, I'll tell you, I hate talking about money in the fire service because, yeah, you and I didn't get in here for money. But, you know, as you get older and get through the system, I'm going to get a retirement. Mm -hmm. What's going to do for my retirement? Mm -hmm. I got, that's the one thing I look at. I, I mean, I got a wife and a house and bills to pay and I, a profession that I love. I love, but I still got to look at that bottom line. Yeah. No, you do. I mean, it's, it's, it's imperative. I mean, unless, unless you're, unless you come from a, a family that's well off or, or something of that nature, you know, right. you have to look at the benefits of the department too. Um, that, that should play, and I would hope an important role in your decision making on where to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to switch gears and talk about leadership with you being a company officer. Um, and, and you pretty much alluded to it, how you pretty much in a nutshell, you set the tone within the four walls of your station. Like you don't worry about the outside politics rules that, uh, you know, administrations bringing down on the rest of the department. How do you, how do you keep focused on making sure that you, your guys and gals that that work under you are that that they have everything they need? And I'll tell you, I've been blessed. Um, I, I've been blessed my, my entire career. Uh, I'm spoiled in, the, in regards to that. Granted, I've had my times. I really have had my times. Uh, I've learned my lessons. Uh, still learn lessons. Uh, I have two lieutenants that I, I work with. Uh, one's on the uh, ladder. One's on the um, uh, engine and the one that was on the ladder well used to be on the rescue so he got bumped in the ladder when i got bumped to the rescue caused a little bit of you know <laughs> firehouse finger pointing and that kind of thing but everybody under, kind of understands what's going on um but as as the captain in the house empower my guys and i say my guys and i've gotten in trouble for saying it before mm -hmm. these are my guys at my station and you know what they are because when they get in trouble guess what happens those are your it's, guys. It's your, your guys. Yeah. Right. But when I say they're my guys, people are like, they don't, and you're right. I work for them. I'm their guy. I work for them. And I do everything I can in my station for my guys, even guys that fill in or working overtime. If you're in my house, that's our house. I'm going to do everything I can for you because I can manage and possibly control is a strong word, but control what's going on in that, in that building. I don't care anything outside. The chief stops by chief and our friends. He's got a job to do, got a job to do. Sometimes we agree, we disagree, but I'm going to push to do what's best for the employee. So when we do training in the station, when we do leave, anything we do within the firehouse, I, I always have my guys' best interests when I make decisions. And I've always had a great crew, man. I've, I've been in big houses and small houses. I love a big house. I was at a small house twice that much time because I single-piece house, mm -hmm. three of us, four mm -hmm. of us are in, that's great. I, I'm at, I got 13 guys in my station right now okay. and I love every bit of it because you got 13 personalities 
and there's always something going on. I got young guys. I got some – I mean, I got the most time. I'm the oldest one in the station, obviously. Now, uh, well, my driver's older than me, but we've been around the same block. So the spectrum running across the station from the youngest to my age, when I said that earlier, we treat everybody equally or fairly. We don't treat everybody fairly because I'm not going to treat a, a 25-year, 49-year-old male or, or female – the same I'm going to treat a 22-year-old that just came in here, you know? Right. Expectations. You throw the expectations out there. Hey, these are things within the station and out of the station. In the station, we can do whatever we want, have a good time, respectively. When that door goes up and we go out, the, we go out guess what? You put your game face on, you're professional, you do the best job you can every time. And you know what? If you screw up, okay, we can fix that. You made a decision. Great. May have not been the best decision, but you made a decision, and we can learn off of that and go forward. But not doing anything and letting somebody else do it for you, not a big fan of that. Man, we roll out the house in our station and we go places and do things. We do it, we, we try to do it right most of the time. You know, we're always at second arriving or third arriving, but if we're first arriving, it is most of the time it's gonna be set and done correctly in a right way. Mm-hmm. So leadership, in my opinion, is very, very important. Our department does not provide leadership development. I'll say that and I'll stand by it. So I went to college on my own, got a bachelor's in uh, HR and I was around many other leaders in the area that were taking this class, chiefs and all kinds of things as a young guy. And learning that and learning the profession and learning how to mold with people, I think is the biggest thing to do because we are people and we deal with people. And that's what leadership does is deal with people. Mm-hmm. But not only am I dealing with my, in, 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 uh, my uh, uh, internal customers, but my external customers that I'm dealing with every day, we got to make sure that we treat them the best we can. You know, and you have the days where you get pissed off or the little stupid calls or when somebody called 911 and we're on the truck going, are you kidding me? We're going to a what? But that's that per that's that citizen's worst day. They have no right. idea. They know they pick up the phone and they call. So in the midst of all kinds of other things going on, you got to stay positive, stay, excuse me, stay positive, stay humble. And, you know, you want that drive. You don't want your guys to lose that drive. Everybody has a bad day, but you know what? You know, hey, man, you got a second? Let me show you something out back. Go back on the back ramp, and you look at your people, you guys, hey, man, what's up? You good? You got to know your people. Mm-hmm. And they have good days. They have bad days. They have family issues. They got things here going on. And I think as a good leader, you listen to your people. You deliver um, You deliver for your people. You know, you just you, you make sure they have what they need. I, I like the word empower. I like to empower my guys that – I'll, here's my job. You know what my I know what your job is. You know what my job is. And when I'm not here, I expect you to do your job. And thus far, when I'm off or I'm out or I'm in the car or doing something else, and those guys go somewhere and they do something, they you're usually doing it right the right way, and mm-hmm. they're aggressive and doing the right thing. And I say aggressive because you asked me earlier about the word aggressive, and that could be so many different ways. They're getting the job done the best they can. That could be aggressive or non-aggressive. You know, whether it's patient care, they're doing as much as they can to make sure that the patient lives or, or given drugs or cardiac stuff, or they're going and trying to save this house, save the next house, save the person in the car, those types of things. And if you, like you said, if you build it, they will come. If you build a good team, that team will work effectively and efficiently with each other. And uh, I've been blessed to have a good team in uh, many of the places that I've gone, whether as a firefighter or as an officer, been surrounded with good people. And I believe being a good leader uh, you have to learn that you got to you, you you make your mistakes, you have your challenges, but you overcome them with people 
and you learn about that and you take all those experiences and challenges and you help your people and you help them grow and you help them do good things. You know, uh, Jack and Jess and all those guys that, uh, and, and Preston, all those guys that we go and teach and do different things together. And we're constantly beating each other up verbally, mentally, emotionally, but that's what we do to make ourselves stronger because all of us are leaders within our, our, our areas. And as you share things, that's a, you can't get that in a classroom. You can't get that in a formal uh, learning environment. When you break these things down, you work with your guys doing different things. And I say my guys that I go and train with and do uh, uh, different schools with, man, we learn so much with each other, just bullshit and having a good time. Right. And I think those, those are the opportunities that uh, we need to take advantage of personally so we can bring it back and put it in our own perspective and make sure that our people have what they need to succeed. No, I agree. hundred percent, hundred percent. Well said. And, and I'll kind of, I'll, I'll back you on this where, you know, even my department there, we don't have such a great officer development program. Like we're good we have at none. I mean, we're, we're good at, okay, you want to go for promotion? So my department does blue card. So obviously if you, <laughs> if, if you want to go for that, for that officer uh, position, they're going to put you through the sim labs. They're going to talk to you about blue card, which is, which is fantastic. It's great. But where we're lacking, it, it is, you know, so some it's, it's a balance. Some might not agree. Right. Some might, but there is zero emphasis on, okay, uh, Bobby, we just, we're going to promote you to Lieutenant or captain um, where that, where I believe they fall short is, this is what you're going to deal with where let's just say, Bobby, you're 32 years old and you have a firefighter or a senior firefighter that's 45 and he comes in and he's, and he lets you know, Hey, um, I'm, I'm having a divorce or I'm getting a, you know, me and my wife are divorcing and you have right. no life skill to go off of that. That's where I feel like they're lacking. Or you notice one of your firemen's coming in and, you know, they might not be performing well. And all of a sudden, you know, your other firemen are like, hey, I kind of smell like alcohol on this. You know what I mean? Like you, that's where I feel like we fall short. It's very easy to go, hey, checkbox. This is, uh, give me a size up on that structure. What's your tactics? What are you going to do on this call, that call? But when it comes to the emotional human being side, we are failing at that. Absolutely. Miserably. I Man, I will give you a perfect example. Made lieutenant. And I had the guy that was driving me and um, Fred, awesome, awesome father, awesome husband, awesome fireman, just well-rounded, had a hell of a mouth on him. And, you know, he keep with everybody. So I made lieutenant, hey, man, you need to do evaluation on this guy. His, his evaluation's up. Just made lieutenant. Mm -hmm. I've never done evaluation in my life. Never been guidant, nothing. So enrolled in college, uh, University of Richmond doing all that stuff. And I had to do an eval on him. You know how many times I did eval with him? <laughs> Three times. This guy came out of retail as a manager, supervisors uh, for a very large uh, grocery chain, grocery store chain. And so he, he, he's got life experience. Mm -hmm. I had to be mm -hmm. humble enough to go to him and say, hey, man, I got to do an eval on you, and I don't know how to do it because I didn't get any any – help here or any help here i had to do his eval and i learned a lot from that and that's what kind of pushed me to go to class and schools and then one of or two of the semesters in there was about evaluations 
man, I remember what I did here, and now I'm learning this. And I was like, man, I fucked that completely up. So when I got done and learned it, I went back to that guy and said, hey, man, I appreciate what you did for me. I screwed that up really bad, but you helped me through it. And uh, I'll never forget that part with him because, yes, those things that you just said, you don't get that guidance. Right. You don't get none of that. It's like on-the-job experience. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you're like, hey, man, uh, let me get back to you on it. I'll be right back. And you're calling somebody that you uh, you respect right. or you knew this guy went through this or you did that. Or you're calling the HR going, hey, how, what do I do in this situation? If you don't have that fallback, you haven't built your you haven't built your uh, uh, your callbacks. You know what I mean? You have mm-hmm. people that you call for different things. And uh, yeah, great examples, man. I just that leadership development. And we have a, a captain now that's in the uh, in the training division and uh, uh, very motivated, smart, knows what's going on. And he's starting to develop these things and put them together. Mm-hmm. Granted, I won't be able to see it because I'm on my way out. Right. I'm so glad that this is being done so the younger guys and the, young, the younger group that's coming up that will be the future leaders will have that opportunity. And if we don't set those opportunities up for them, I think we failed them coming up. Absolutely, absolutely. And if I am going to guess guess on this one, I, are you talking about Mr. Jared Sergi? I am talking about Jared Sergi. That's okay. right. I, I did hear through the grapevine he he's off the truck and he is now under in the training division and he's and he's kind of helping lead that towards making Norfolk a better place. Not not saying Norfolk wasn't good, but with Jared's because I interviewed Jared a while ago and that man's smart. I mean, I'm sorry. If if you write a book, to me you're smart because that they, that's a lot of shit there. To, to go, I remember when Jared come. came in because I called his academy. I okay, called Jared's academy. So, okay, you knew that kid was going to be a future leader, and uh, yeah, he's in the training division now as a uh, uh, captain over uh, operations uh, training, I believe. So, he's uh, he's got a lot of good things coming up. Um, and I mean, I support him 100%. He's, he's, he's the right person in the right place, and I think the rest of the department will um, succeed for some of the things his vision and his goals, what needs to be done for department wide. Uh, I think our department, as you talk about progressive, or, uh, excuse me, progressive earlier, that's the person that's going to lead the progress in regards to the training developments. But you know, we talk about that. He's only one person. Mm-hmm. You gotta, you gotta be able to sell this, and members of your department, they, you gotta get them to the point where they're motivated enough that they need to go out and get some of the stuff on their own. Right. You can't come to work and be spoon fed everything. If you're going to be a professional in what you do and know what you're doing. You've got to go elsewhere to get things. You've got to know where to find these things. And uh, the department's going to give you so much, but you need to reach out and look for other things to help you build your, uh, your, your knowledge, help you put that tray together. It's not going to be just, hey, my department didn't give me that, so I don't know. Okay, mm-hmm. I understand that. I respect that. Mm-hmm. You got life, you got kids, you got work. I get it. But you know what? There are other things outside of this department that you need to learn and do and uh, reach out for. So it, it's a. Uh, I think it's 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 well rounded right now, and uh, it's, you know, not to be a pun, but they're sharpening they're sharpening the blade every day, trying to get sharper. Okay. Um, with you, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to put this. Uh, with you almost on your way out, what? When did you realize, like, okay, and I'm not sure if you have an exact timetable, but when it is time for you to give your last bow, 
are you happy with the way your career turned out? I am very happy the way my career turned out. Um, I don't look backwards. I look, I look back behind me and say, okay, where are the situations that put me in different in, in good or bad places? Uh, I look behind me and say, what kind of these experiences that I've had help me um, be successful in the future? What's, what are these uh, experiences that I can use for others to help them guide them and get them where they need to be to be successful? Yes, I'm very, my window is very short here. Very short. Um, looking hopefully go maybe to another department if everything works out great. That money thing we talked about. Mm-hmm. Going from the front seat to the back seat. Got no problem with that. Um, but stepping out of here, uh, I my goal is hopefully I've, I've empowered the crews and the people that I've come in contact with over my, my, my small career that I've touched them in maybe a way mentally that they were able to make a good decision. Um, some kind of job knowledge that they were able to use, uh, something to keep them safe. Uh, you know, just, just those little bits of knowledge here and there that I've learned that I was hopefully able to pass down and it helps that person be successful as they move forward. That's my biggest thing is, was I able to help somebody and let them be successful? And it could be the smallest thing that they ever did, or it could be a big thing that they did. But part of that, you see a guy or girl that, you know, every once in a while, they, hey, Kat, appreciate it. Hey, man, good to see you. Those types of things. And you, you know you're getting your message out. Maybe it's a nonverbal message by your actions, or maybe it is a verbal message by having a conversation with somebody and, Sometimes tough love goes a long ways. And, you know, it, it's, it's, in my opinion, it's not what you say to people. It's how you say things to them. Mm-hmm. And if you're constantly standing there and berating people, you're not going to get anything. But if you sarcasm and you get your point across and you treat that person with professionalism, but you treat the person with respect, I think they have a, uh, they have a better understanding. And I think they're better for that. That's, that's my thing. I walk out of here. I don't want my retirement party to be in a phone booth, you know? So I I believe a lot of good friends in here, a lot of good people, a lot of good leaders, future leaders. And, uh, you know, this department will be here when I leave. Mm -hmm. I I know that it's not going to crumble down around me. I get that. Right. But if I can leave, if I've left little nidbit or uh, tidbits of information for good people to do good things and be successful, then I feel like that uh, my time here was successful. Okay. And if, if if I heard you correct, when you when you finally do leave Norfolk, are you going to another department or are you out of the service? I don't want to say out of service completely, but are are you going to work somewhere else part time? I'm 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 looking at going to a uh, another uh, career department. Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. Because you know m- m- most people and riding the truck. Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, I'm 49. You, you, you don't hear that very often. You know, most people are like, hey, man, you know, when I'm done, man, I'm done. My body's tired. I'm tired. Or, you know, some people might take like an admin role or something in an office, but you're you're ready to go from one right back to another. Bro, I'm, I, I'm not an admin guy. I want to be in the cab. I want to be in the station. I want to be out there. You know, if I'm, I'm I, I think I'm still young. I'm 49, but uh, my body might not tell me that. But being, I, I don't think. I don't think I'm done. I'm still learning. Uh, I, st- I still think I have things to give. Um, I still want to stay active and doing things. And I love the fire service. I love getting on the rig, going down the road, doing good things, being surrounded with good people. And uh, 
if I had the opportunity to go uh, to another department and uh, get another five or seven years, maybe another retirement, you know, uh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do the best I can. If they offer me a good opportunity to do that, then I'm going to give them the best I can. Oh, I've given I, as best as I can for this department and mm -hmm. uh, my current mm -hmm. department, which I love every bit of it. I don't want to leave, but there's things there. So I totally get it, man. Love, love for the love of the job. I, I totally get it. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Before we before we end, is there anything you want anybody to know? Um, if if you uh, you've mentioned a few mentors that you've had, or is there anything you want to let others know? Like it's you know it's okay to love the job. Like some sort of message that you want to leave. I'm a knucklehead. Um, I've I've been around the fire service. I've been allowed to be around the fire service for, uh, um, you know, I guess a long time is what you want to call it. Um, I got a wonderful wife. I got a, a son. He's 24. Um, early on, I was doing a lot of training, going a lot of, doing a lot of things. Uh, there's some things that I'll never get back when my, my son was younger. So just make sure you get that, that work family life squared away and you know how to get the set, you know, know where your attention needs to be when it needs to be there. Um, we've all made mistakes and done things in our careers. Can't look back. You do is move forward and if there's anybody that's coming up that's younger or even in the middle of their career just you know get get a get a 360 what's going on with you use your time wisely get the training you can get do the best you can make sure you have time to relax you know the uh the emotional mental thing which is a big uh big deal in our world right now uh, you know find people that you feel comfortable talking with doing things with uh, if you get stressed talk to somebody you ain't got to hold it all in. It's not all about you. There are people there to help and talk and do things. Um, just trying to make that work life family thing. Make make sure you, you work through that. That's that's always a good thing. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, brother. Financial planning, when you first come into the uh, Recruit Academy, get you a good planner. Get you a good planner and learn, your, learn about your retirement system. Learn about your 401ks. Learn about all that money stuff early on in your career. We're not going to get rich being here, but if you can manage it right, you could be uh, comfortable when you leave. Nah, I will second that 100%. You're, you're right. I mean, it's funny how, I mean, hell, I, at one point, you know, somebody would ask me a question regarding like pay or benefits. And I'd be like, I don't know. I just know exactly. every, every two weeks, the checks, my checks in my account yep. and I'm good to go. But uh no that 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 that's good sound advice for, for for the younger generation for sure for sure on that one um body it's just I, I number one i appreciate you coming on talking talking with me um it's been a really good conversation uh I, i'm very humbled that you would even say yes because you're probably like who's this guy but uh i had some contacts that reached out and they're like hey you need to contact this person i'm sure he'll be he'll do it he'll be a great one so i truly appreciate you spending your morning talking with me man this this has been awesome it's my first time ever doing one of these things and uh nervous as hell i usually don't have a problem talking or saying anything or doing anything uh you humbled me my friend uh it, it's pretty cool just to, to get the word out there and you know that there, there's a lot of us that are the same there's a lot of us that are the same we, we think about the same things do some of the same things and uh having the opportunity to just say hey man what's up how are you yeah these, these are a couple of my thoughts i really appreciate that and respect the hell of it and uh, I hope you keep doing the thing you're doing because uh, it's the right thing, in my opinion. 
I mean, I appreciate it. I really do. And you, I've had many others say that. So obviously I'm doing something right. So I, I, I yes, truly sir. appreciate those words, sir. hundred percent. My man, no worries. All right. Thank you. You have a good day, sir. Bro, you take care of yourself. We'll talk to you soon. All right. If any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator, goal-oriented, hardworking, humble, passionate, and professional, regardless of rank, career, or volunteer, contact me at studentofthegamefirepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.